0: Oh, Welcome or welcome back to another bonus episode of Independent Thought. This is your host, Desmond Price, and we are joined here today with Christopher Coburn, who is running for the Bozeman City Commissioner's Office. We just spoke with him not too long ago, but there was a few questions that we left off the main episode that I wanted to address here in this bonus episode. So thank you all for joining for joining in with me today to for well, for these additional questions. And so I'm just going to jump right in. Uh, Christopher, and kind of ask you a couple of different things here. Yeah, you know, during cool. during the episode itself, yeah, you, know, you kind of mentioned that one of the things that you wanted to do uh, with your position is to increase the access to childcare. Could yeah. you just say exactly what it is that the city, you know, can do or should do as far as allowing this to be? you know, more accessible to people, because this is a burden that people are having to getting back to work or working as much as they want to, which, again, can play into issues yeah. with not having money for housing in, in Bozeman. So what can what can the city do to address this issue?
1: Yeah, there's, you know, a few things that the city of Bozeman can do and a few things that we can partner on and support and really um Um, advocate for. I think one of the things that's in our control is that we could partner with folks who want to build child care centers and make it easier for them to do so, right? There's a lot of ways that we could make it easier for folks to develop the types of buildings that we need to host the sort of services that we need. And so we could be looking at things like waiving impact fees or helping um, with the development Review process for some of these locations that we would need. Right. Um, the other thing is that we, you know, sometimes childcare is not allowed in some parts of our community. And so we could look at, you know, strengthening the ways in which we allow childcare facilities to be in a lot of zoning areas, not just some. Um, we have a few organizations that work on childcare that offer scholarships to lower income families. And we could be helping support that fund of scholarships to make it easier for folks to get and receive childcare. We could be uh, having a stipend for childcare for folks who serve on our um, advisory committees to make it easier for people to contribute to our community in the ways that we are um, that we want them to um, through local government and participation, and not have childcare be a barrier. So there's all these different access points for childcare that I think um, that we could, you know, if we just do a couple of them, or you know, sort of do a little bit in a lot of places, it would really help with our childcare um, need. The other piece of it is, is that you know childcare across the country is um, is an issue because we're having a hard time finding people who. Want to be employed by childcare providers or open up their own daycare, and so there's some right. ways I think that we could, as a community, incentivize people opening up childcare businesses and getting those childcare uh, those childcare locations licensed, um, in in uh in quick in a in a quick way that breaks down some of those startup barriers that people experience.
0: Right. Now I can imagine that that would be a hindrance to having childcare facilities is that the the costs involved with them and yeah, the, the the costs in general have seem to be astronomically high yeah. for a lot of people who, who tell me that they have to, you know, try to put their kids into childcare. I think I actually talked with someone in Bozeman who said that as a nurse, yeah. it actually was more affordable for her not to go to work than to bring her four children to childcare for her to work at the hospital in Bozeman, which is absolutely incredible to me. Yeah, but,
1: and that, that what you bring up as a, as a I think a really important piece too is that I think the City of Bozeman can be influential and helpful in helping to encourage private employers to um, offer childcare on site. And there's ways that right. we could incentivize that as well. Um, and so there's all these different creative solutions that people have and these, you know, these needs that we have that um, we could be more involved in.
0: Right. And so, you know, I, I was looking at your your platform again, and mm-hmm. one of the pillars that you have on there is community services. Yeah. Now, could you just expand a little bit more onto what exactly that means? Like, what exactly does that mean as far as, you know, the government is concerned and what kind of plans could the people expect to see from something like this?
1: Yeah, I think, you know, I view community-based services and community services are things that people need to be able to thrive. And so I'm a child that was raised on programs like WIC and food stamps. I went to Head Start. Um, I understand um, that a lot of families do need these levels of support to be able to exist in our community and not just exist, but to thrive and to be and to participate. Um, and so for me, uh, an insistence that the city of Bozeman do more to really support a strong network of community services is based on what I know my experience was and the experience that so many many people have. So that looks like helping people get access to child care like we just talked about. It looks right. like fully funding transportation systems so that transit and transportation are not major barriers to people being able to participate. It looks like have be, uh, helping people get access to behavioral health care services and thinking about who who how do we support people who are in crises and what does that response look like? Does it look like a behavioral health response team or does it look like a response from the police department? Those things are community services. It also looks like making sure that people have access to healthy food um, and that we are, you know, uh, creating opportunities for people to participate in programs um, that will get them healthy food. So all of those things are really, those support services are really rooted in community. And I think that if we have a fully funded, very vibrant, network of community services that that actually does keep people safe it keeps people connected to the community and it helps with people staying in their housing and being able to work instead of having to make the choice between working maybe not because they can't afford childcare. so those things really do help support um a safe whole and resilient community in many ways right
0: and i think one of the things you just touched on there that i kind of want to focus on next is you know transportation you know because let's let's talk about it for what it is bozeman is a college town a lot yeah. of people go out drinking at night and ubers are expensive no i'm i'm, I'm joking but not really Ubers no. are expensive it's, you know it's, yeah. yeah they're a little bit expensive But i'm being a little bit more serious you know drunk driving is a massive issue across the state of yeah. montana especially in these college towns where you live where i live what did you, do you have a plan in order to increase access to public transportation so that maybe there could be some some night buses or maybe like access to 24-7 public transit in Bozeman? Are, are these something that is this something that's on your radar as far as yes. the city commission is yeah. concerned?
1: 100%. You know, I think, um, you know, transit, uh, public transit is going to be an increasingly important part of our community as Bozeman continues to grow. And as we sort of work to implement our climate action plan. Our climate action plan is dependent upon us bringing down our net carbon emissions. And to do that, obviously, we need to have less cars on the road. One way that we can do that is to increase the availability and um, acceptability for many people of public transit and make it easy for people to use. So that has to be something that we focus on. And it is something that I am personally focused on. Um, One way that I've worked on that so far is that I made sure that the request we got from Streamline, which is our transit authority, our, our you know public transportation system that's run by HRDC in Bozeman, um, that their request of the city of Bozeman was fully that we that we gave them all the funds that they needed for that request, so four hundred thousand dollars for our contribution to that to help them grow and expand their transit network. As we move through these next several years, it's going to be a really critical time for Bozeman because you know um, anybody who sort of is uh, you know paying close attention to uh, the growth in our community um, and what that might mean from a federal funding level is that we're now at this we're now at this point when we because of our size are very likely gonna be um, um, eligible for some funds specifically to transportation and transit. And that's gonna require us to collaborate with all the counties or all the areas in our our, um, immediate region to build a transportation network, to build a planning organization that's really gonna help people move between Um, our community so um, we're going to need commissioners who understand the importance of public transit who can connect it to all of our other goals specifically around climate change um, and who are going to be champions for that and I'm definitely that person.
0: Okay I I really do appreciate that because again this is something that our communities really do need more of an investment in you know, for several different reasons, drunk driving being one of them, others being climate change, as you spoke about. We're gonna have a few more questions with Christopher Coburn after a quick break. So don't go anywhere, we'll be right back.
2: Hey, Indie Thought listeners. Has this past year helped you rediscover your creative and crafty side? Well, then you're going to love our sponsor for today's episode. Bathing Beauties Beads is a full-service bead shop in the heart of downtown Missoula. Whether it's seed beads, semi-precious stones, vintage beads, or just materials to make a project, they have something for every person and every price range. Not from Missoula? Don't worry! They have an extensive online store and they will ship directly to you. Whether you're a beginner or a pro, they'll welcome you and help you make your next project a reality. You can find them online at Bathing Beauties Beads on Instagram and Facebook or at BathingBeautiesBeads.com. And don't forget to use offer code INDEPENDENTTHOUGHT at checkout to save 15% on your order.
0: Welcome back from the break, everyone. Thank you for sticking with us through this bonus episode of independent thought. So, you know, before we get back into the more serious issues, I kind of want to ask you, it's a little bit of a a softer issue here. Okay, Tell, tell the people, where are your three favorite places to eat in Bozeman? No pressure.
1: wow i'm gonna i don't want to make anybody mad um but i didn't say you're
0: only three yeah okay right three Three
1: places that i love to eat in bozeman um one is called sidewall pizza they have a really great um um outdoor patio area and really really great pizza so we like to go there um we have two really good thai restaurants in man One is called Rice Thai. I think they're actually opening one in Missoula, too. And I was just Ooh, back over yes. there. I saw it kind of um, in the Tremper's Shopping Center. So a little plug for Rice Thai. I don't okay. work for them, but they're I really good. I that. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, and let's see. A good one um, is this this uh, delicatessen called Fink's Deli. Um, and they have really good sandwiches. So and I just realized when I was talking to you, those are because those are like in all different parts of town. And so I go to those places if I'm like at work meetings those, in those areas. So Okay. Yeah.
0: Well, I wanted to give a brief shout out to my favorite place to eat in Bozeman. Uh, Paulie's, you've been a staple for years. Thank you for still being in Bozeman. Yes. I appreciate it all like so much. Every time I come to Bozeman, I have to go to Paulie's. Uh, but with that being said, let's kind of transition back into these these questions a little bit. You know, before we were the break, we were talking about transportation mm-hmm. and you know, strangely, well, I guess it's not strangely, but you know, like when we're talking about issues that needed to be addressed in the episode, we talked about, you know, the vaccine, climate change, housing, mm-hmm. homelessness. You know what I found was interesting while canvassing here in Missoula, uh, an issue that came up time and time again that you know kind of like skates underneath the radar a little bit is people's desire to see an increased amount of snowplows during yeah. the winter time. Now. Missoula doesn't see the amount of snow that Bozeman sees. I, I've seen that you know many times over. So what exactly, you know, like, does the city commission do in order to kind of get more snow plows in service during the winter for a, a community that does see an, an intense amount of snow every single winter?
1: Yeah, you know, it's, it's interesting you bring that up because I've heard that too. And it's, you know, what I've learned in my time so far on the, on the, in city commission is that everybody has these you know we, we spend a lot of time talking about these really large systemic issues that you know impact all of us like like homeless uh, and homelessness and housing the pandemic um education childcare. but for a lot of people what they're really concerned about are the things that they need to you know make their lives easier every day and that's what people expect from local government and so i get this question a lot and i understand where it's coming from um and it's an interesting conversation because in the same conversation that I had folks, you know, they'll talk about the need for more snow plows. Um, and then they'll transition to talking about how they don't want to pay as much in their property tax. And so it's just <laughs> it's like, you know, understanding about what it is that we can do with what we're able to assess and property tax. And unfortunately, in Montana, we are only able to we, we the again, one of the one of the gifts from our state Legislature is that we're not able to assess taxes on very many things. Um, for instance, there's a lot of communities, Bozeman included, that have huge tourist populations, and we're not able to see any sort of tax revenue from people who are coming to Bozeman uh, who don't live here full time, who don't pay property tax. We're not able to really to get any any revenue aside from like you know the money we get from them you know visiting businesses or going to Big Sky or going to Hedger Ski Resort um, uh, or Ski Mountain, so it's a conversation about if we have only really one way to pay for services out of our general fund, which is where our snow plows and our street maintenance come from, um, then we have to have a conversation about taxes too, and so uh, I think it's just an interesting conversation. There's definitely more that we could do, or we could you know, plow more streets more consistently, the type of streets we plow, but that requires a different level of commitment by the taxpayer um, to make those things happen. So it, when you start having those conversations, it begins to be like, oh, well, that's not as bad as I thought it was then, or you know, it's just an inconvenience. Um, but yeah, there's not, there's not an easy solution because those things take money and that money is coming from the taxpayer.
0: Okay, well definitely understandable. And it's good that you break it down that way because I think that sometimes we get lost in how things are paid for. So it is very yeah. important that people do understand exactly how the city generates money, you know, and how we can spend it and what the budgets, you know, are basically broken down for. But, let but me I get just- it, you know. Like I
1: hate trying to I hate trying to turn on like, you know, a busy street when there's snow in the middle of the road and I can't do it or when I, you know, try and leave my parking lot and it's, you know, um, like a mountain of snow. So I get it. It is, it is an issue. It's not like a trivial issue. It just is. And it, it just is, you know, a conversation about where do we want to spend our, our tax dollars and how much money do people want to spend on, on snow plow, uh, on snow plowing services.
0: Right. Yeah. And I can understand that completely. I mean, times that I've visited Bozeman, especially in the winter time, you know, visiting friends to go to MSU, it is, uh, it is challenging to say the least during several yeah. months of the year, but you know, one of the things I also wanted to ask you about, I'm going off these these pillars on your platform here was you have down equity and justice. So again, that is a very broad term. Yeah. And so what exactly does that look like when we're talking about legislation or policies that are implemented on the local level?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think about it, it is broad in a sense because I view equity and justice, particularly um, 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 equity as being embedded in every decision that we make. right? Every decision that I make as a as a commissioner is either going to, uh, you know, advance equity or perpetuate inequity. There's no sort of middle ground with policy decisions you're making. So um, yeah. an example of this is, you know, we just recently as a city commission consolidated our um, advisory board structure. And within that, if we, and those, so those um, advisory boards are really important to the, to, to the, City of Bozeman and basically every local government, you know, relies on um, advisory boards to help inform the decisions that the commission's making. And um, it tends to be, particularly in communities across Montana, those um, advisory boards are populated by the same type of person, right? So the same, the same population, generally a little bit older, predominantly white, have the time resources to, to volunteer their time, Um, really good meaning people, obviously doing really incredible work, but don't really always always reflect the communities in which they're supposed to be representing and serving. So a way that you could infuse equity into a policy decision like consolidating um, advisory boards would be to set a requirement that our advisory boards reflect the demographics of our community. Um, And looking at why don't we have people of color on these boards? Uh, Why don't we have, you know, Single parents on these boards, people living with disabilities. Um, and once you understand what those issues are, then working to correct them by saying, okay, we are going to employ a childcare stipend for those who self report as being lower income on their advisory board survey, or we are going to make sure that we have. Uh, a call in option for all these advisory board meetings for those folks who can't get away from home or who are maybe more homebound but still want to participate so all of those things are equity and for a lot of people for like, it's not true not for a lot of people some people like to demonize the word equity as if we're doing something wrong or as if it's something bad or as if it's taking from somebody else and really equity is about making sure that you have the conditions that people have what they need to participate um, and that looks different depending on what population what individual you're talking about so for me as a commissioner as a public health professional as you know just a general montana citizen um i moved through all of my decision making process with um with um, equity at its core, and that's connected in a lot of ways to justice because there, you know, inequities are also very oftentimes injustices. And so, if you're promoting equity, you're promoting the type of justice that we need to have a community that's actually welcoming.
0: Okay, I understand that completely. And I, I think finally here, I, I want to also touch on your final like pillar that I haven't gotten to yet, which is growth. Yeah. So here's Here's my kind of like um I guess roundabout way to ask you a question on this. love it, growth can be, you know, a very a very profitable thing for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. But I'm sure that in areas like Bozeman, the word growth can be kind of intimidating for some because as that community has grown, it's left a lot of people behind. Yeah, and so as you know you talk about maybe like growth in the community, growth in, you know, like, bringing in more jobs, you know, more, you know, like housing, you know, this, that, and the other. I'm sure that some people may be a little bit hesitant to hear that word because it feels like they might be left behind even more. So I guess my final question for you is as you and the other members of the commission and, you know, like just the the whole city government itself focuses on growing this community, how can the local people of Bozeman, I guess, be reassured that they're not gonna be left behind as the city continues to grow?
1: Yeah. I think that's a really valid and important question. And I think you know, I'm from the belief that the way that we create the sort of um, equitable communities and the services that we need is not by restricting growth. It's by encouraging the type of growth that meets our needs. So we can plan for the growth that we want. We have laws and rules that sort of set the bounds for how we grow. So for me, it's really about instead of thinking about growing with a bunch of very expensive single family homes that keep going and going, really focusing on higher density development that's in the space that we already occupy with uh, an intentional focus on making those units and making a lot of those units affordable to people. Right. That's right. the way that I think that we can grow and use growth to our advantage. And again, I'm somebody, you know, who's from Montana. And so I uh, really do value and respect the, um, the way that we work in Montana, right? I really do. I'm, I'm raised from these smaller communities where people smile at you when you're walking down the street um, or when, you know, people come... I've, I've had friends that come to Montana. We've gone on hikes, and they're like, "Why is everyone smiling at us?" And I'm like, "It's just as Montana. This is what we do. People are generally like, you know, trying to be friendly to you." Um, yeah. But those sorts of those sorts of values of respect and community and stewardship, I was raised on them, and I think those can inform our growth policy. And if we allow ourselves to be inviting to people into our spaces, into our community, I think our shared our shared Montana values are very resilient and are contagious, really. I think, and are infectious to people when they get to be um, included in them. And so I think growth, I think growth can be a really positive thing. And I think there's very specific ways that we can grow that meet our needs, that keep people here, and that protects the um, environment around us that is so central to our um, identities as, you know, smaller communities in the Rocky Mountain West. So Yes, it is a scary word to many people. It is a complicated word. There's so many things that go into growth, Um, but I don't think that you could be a, a Bozeman City Commissioner or a Bozeman City Commission candidate and not be critically thinking about growth because we are the seat of the fastest growing county in Montana, one of the fastest growing places in the entire United States of America. And so we have to be really thinking about what does that look like and mean for us? And if we're not intentional about it, then we're going to make a lot of mistakes then some of those mistakes are really really hard to undo um and so yeah i see it as a really important um and timely opportunity that should be central to any commissioner's conversations
0: well i have to say you didn't know i was going to ask you that question so i'm I'm kind of impressed with your answer there's a lot of different ways you could have answered that question but i appreciate that you know you are taking the reality as it is that this town is going to grow It's going to continue to grow whether I'm here or not, but it's important that we make sure it's growing in the right way so that it impacts the most people that, you know, in the best ways possible. So, um, you know, thank you for keeping that at the forefront of your minds here. And again, we're going to close out this episode. So just allow everyone just one more time if they didn't listen to the first part, uh, but if you haven't gone back and listened to the first episode, everyone, Uh, but please go ahead and tell everyone where they can find you online.
1: Yeah, there's two main places that people can be connected to my campaign online. The first one is my campaign website, coburn for bozemancom all spelled out. Um, and on social media, my handle is at coburn for bozeman Again, the four is spelled out. You know, I
0: forgot to mention this in our first episode. I'll make sure to put it in the in the closing here. But when does the voting begin? Like, uh, tell everyone when they Yes, oh voting. my gosh. How did we both
1: forget that? Uh, I cannot believe that. So in Bozeman, ballots go out October 13th. Everything is vote by, by mail um, for this election. Ballots have to be received by the election office no later than November 2nd. So they go out October 13th have to be back to the um, election office by November 2nd.
0: Okay. And the, the uh, ballots themselves, they're already paid for. So people can just like turn around and put yep. them back. Yeah. The... Postage paid. All right. Well, everyone, you heard it. If you are listening to this, you are resident of Bozeman, you know, feel free to cast your ballot. If you need to check your voter registration, there'll be a link for that in the description of this episode as well. So thank you for everyone tuning into this episode today. Thank you to my guest, Christopher Coburn, for coming back on for a bonus episode on top of the one that we just did as well. So thank you, everyone. We'll see you in the next one. Have a good one.